few weeks, uh, it kind of feels like all of our plans have been turned upside down. Kind of seems to be happening nationally, doesn't it? It's also happened in church. Um, kind of, uh, you know, you had a third of my talk last week. Um, the plan was that you'd get the second two thirds this week. You're probably going to get another third this week rather than the second two thirds. It just, again, just feels a little bit like events are taking part, kind of taking over. Um, you may just want to call to mind the passage that I was speaking from last week, because in a way, although I, you know, kind of, this has become a bit of a two or three parter, we will find out which as we go on. Um, and I've kind of picked up another reading because of one particular verse I want to focus on in it. Kind of a lot of what I'm saying flows out of what I said last week. Um, and out of the passage that we had read last week too about Jesus calling the twelve to himself. Um, and so this is kind of winding to an end, albeit rather more slowly than we expected, kind of reflecting on what it means to have a kind of a, a contemporary rule of life, a bit like the monks did kind of in my old monastic orders. But we're not looking for something that is a legalistic set of rules that we kind of feel imprisoned by. Um, we're looking for something that gives life. Last week, I promised you, you wouldn't see this slide again. It's that idea of a trellis, something that sustains life. Forgive me for boring you with it so much. Um, I'm not making any more promises about it not turning up anymore because I just keep breaking them. Um, I think with everything that's going on, it's never been more important to remember that Jesus' desire for his followers is to have life. That's what the idea of a rule of life is all about. It's about enabling us to grow in our life and our relationship with Jesus, to grow um, in our faith. Um, but we, more than ever, need stuff that is life-giving in our lives. If we could have the next slide. And it's why I just asked Giles to read from John 10 this morning. And kind of these words of Jesus, I just really want to give them to you today and just encourage you to hold on to them with everything that's going on around us. You know, this is Jesus' promise to his disciples and it's, it's promised to us. I've come that they may have life. That's us. And have it to the full. Kind of life um, in all of its fullness. Um, and um, kind of when you, when you heard Giles read it, it may have kind of, you, I don't know whether you kind of heard what led into it, where it talks about kind of this contrast between Jesus and the thieves that have come before him. And he talks about the thief only coming to kill and to destroy. Um, I don't know about you, it just feels like at the moment there is so much that um, is potentially robbing us of life. Um, that is stealing life from us. Um, and um, kind of the situation we find ourselves in as a nation, and we try to make sense of, in the light of that, what it's going to look like for us. And at the moment, probably most of us don't know. At this stage, probably, we, you know, we don't have family that have been impacted physically by this, by this virus. Um, kind of probably the biggest impact on us at the moment has been empty stores um, and, the sh and this big shadow that hangs over our lives of, you know, what about my health? What about the health of those I love? What about our security? You know, we've heard 
Ed sharing this morning about being you know, the owner of a business. And I'm sure one of the hardest things for him, and I don't want to put words in his mouth, in that is that when you, are, when you run a business, it's not just your livelihood. It's the responsibility for the people that work for you. And that weighs heavily on people. You know, and, and Ed won't be alone in that. And um, for others, kind of the, at the other end of the, of, of the work world, they're the ones that are dependent on employers, people that are, that are on, you know, on, on zero-house contracts that don't know whether they're going to be given work or not. And if they aren't given work, there's no money. Or people that are self-employed, that if they, you know, if they don't work, then the money doesn't come in because there isn't kind of a salary or the things that make it. You know, it, it feels like so much is being robbed from our lives. So much uncertainty in our lives. And yet Jesus says, I've come that you may have life and life in its all its fullness. Um, last week, um, we began talking about this final part of this contemporary rule of life, kind of under the theme of relationships. Uh, and it seems to me that's actually all the more poignant at the moment, isn't it? And again, it was alluded to in some of the things that were shared this morning. Um, you know, we're thinking about the, the fact that we need each other. That part of being a Christian isn't just our relationship with Jesus, it's being called into relationship together. And we need each other to live that life. Um, and yet we live at a time um, when it feels like everything that's happening in our world is causing people to be increasingly isolated. We already know people that are choosing to isolate themselves or have to isolate themselves because of bugs and stuff that they're, they're facing at the moment. Um, I, I found it, I don't know about you, I've, I completely echo what Ed said about the worship. Um, I'm not really sure I need to do this talk. I feel actually most of it got covered by the testimonies one way or another, you know? I mean, certainly what Claire was saying about community as well. It, it, it somehow has felt significant to me this morning as we've gathered and as we've worshipped in this place. Um, yeah, and at the moment, all the guidelines are that we should continue to do that. Um, my guess is when they do bring in guidelines about meeting together, it will probably be kind of a certain number in, you know, in, you know and I would guess it's liable to be kind of 200 in a place and anything above that we shouldn't meet. I don't know, I'm guessing. I'm kind of, but you do wonder, you know, will we be doing this next week or will we be doing this in two weeks' time? Um, we, we don't really know what the circumstances are. So we talk about the importance of relationship and of being together and it feels like kind of actually that's kind of like we're swimming in one direction and the whole of society is going in another direction. Um, and, and in, you know, you know, in a way, um, I don't want to repeat the notices. This isn't meant to be about notices. But it's almost like we need to find, um, we, we may need to find creative ways of still being together when we can't physically be in one space. Um, you know, that, that, you know that, that, and that's going to be a challenge in all sorts of ways. Um, as I said, I only got as far as one point last week. And, and, and in a way, that is the ground of everything I'm saying this week. It's all about, it was all about the need for, our own, for us to look after our own emotional well-being. Um, it's the heart of that. Go, on, go, go back. Go back, go back. 
Thanks. It's at the heart of that voice, isn't it? Jesus has come that we may have life um, and not have that life stolen away from us. And there's nothing that steals life away from us than our emotional well-being eroded. Um, and kind of as we talk about other aspects of what it means to be in relationship, uh, about being in community together, about family, I am not going to get to family this week. Kind of that may have to be in a couple of weeks' time. Um, but particularly when it comes to being, being in relationship together, actually the stuff about our own emotional well-being, you can have the next slide now, is kind of fundamental to that too. Um, and if you were, if you were here... I hope you can remember that the heart of what I was saying is um, that kind of our security, our emotional well-being needs to be built on the knowledge that we are loved and that we are accepted. Um, and that is the heart of God for us. The words that are on the screen now are the words that the father spoke over Jesus at his baptism. This is my son who I love, with whom I am well pleased. You know, when we become Christians... We become God's children. And those words become our words. They're just as true of us as they are of Jesus. That's about how he feels about us. Um, and, um, and kind of that ought to be the foundation for all of kind of our security, our well-being um, in every area of our lives. If we know we are loved, we're free from the need to try and earn love from others. And what a difference that makes in every relationship we enter into. You know, um, if we're always looking for someone to fulfill our need to make us feel loved in this life, every relationship we go into will be warped before we even begin it. But if we enter into relationships out of the knowledge that we are truly loved and truly accepted, um, it gives those relationships the, the healthy start that they need. It's the foundation of every relationship. We don't have the pressure to have all our needs met by other human beings and other human relationships. And as I said last week, Christianity is all about um, a relationship with God through Jesus, um, but also with relationship with each other. We talked about Jesus being called into relationship with Jesus. Can we jump to the next slide? Thanks. He called to him those he wanted and they came to him, designating them apostles that they might be with him. So Christianity starts with relationship with Jesus, but also the next slide. Thanks, Brian. But also with each other. Kind of, there's this kind of long list of odd people that he also calls to follow him. They're not just in relationship with him. They're in relationship with each other. When we think about the cross, we almost always focus on the need for our relationship with God to be restored. You know, that's what it is, the cross is at its heart, about Jesus coming and taking the very thing that separated us from God and carrying it on the cross. Our sin, our brokenness, all the mess we make in our lives, paying the price for it and removing the barrier that stands there between us and God. That's why when he died on the cross... The temple curtain that separated the Holy of Holies, the place where no one could go, was torn asunder because the barrier was gone. Relationship was restored through what Jesus did on the cross between us and him. But sin doesn't just separate us from God, does it? I don't know about you, 
um, it separates us from each other too. You know, when, kind of, when we look for the evidence of sin in the world, we see it most obviously in the way that human beings treat human beings, don't we? Uh, and, that's our, and that's our own experience, you know. Um, I really don't know how. How many years have we been married? Oh, it's a dangerous thing quoting. My, uh, 82. 82 years. Aren't we looking good on it? It's somewhere between 35. I know we've had the 35th. 38 years. Whoa, whoa, we can't be that old. Carol has this joke. That we, got, that we got married in one of these strange American states where you can get married at 12? No? No? Not anymore? Are we not allowed to say that? Okay, that's inappropriate apparently. <laughs> to be quite frank, I really don't know how she's put up with me all that time. <laughs> and neither do most of you, you know? Um... When I think of all the people I may have hurt in my life, probably the person I've hurt one way or another, sorry, I, this isn't scripted, and, um, probably more than anyone else, is the person I'm closest to. Um, that's the nature of sin, isn't it? It doesn't just separate us from God. It, divides a, it drives a wedge between us and those that we love the most. And so Jesus is about restoring relationship on the cross. Relationship with his father, but also relationship with each other. Um, and that's why community, next slide, thank you. Get in there. <laughs> Recap of last week, over. Begin this week. It's so important. Um, last week, kind of, we were looking at Jesus' relationship with the twelve. He appoints them as apostles. They're called to be with him, but also that he might send them out. Being an apostle literally means one who is sent out. They're called into relationship with him. Um, but by default, they're also they're called to share in his purposes. But they aren't called to do that on their own or in isolation. They're called to do it with each other, that he might send them out. Um, and as you know, this has come from a book by someone called Peter Scazzario. Um, he kind of subtitles this whole idea about what it means to be community with this phrase. We need companions from the journey. Kind of, you know, the, the life of faith is a journey. It's a journey we begin when we put our trust in Jesus. It's a journey that we follow throughout this life and into the next life. But we aren't meant to do it on our own. We need companions to walk with us on that journey. Um, and the heart of this reading reminds us that the Christian life, of that reading last week reminded us that the Christian life isn't meant to be lived on its own. We need each other. If we're to have a healthy relationship with Jesus, uh, we need healthy relationships with each other. Am I alone in thinking that we don't always find that easy, though? Um, and, it, and, it, and it may be me, um, but um, it can be, you know, it's, it's, it's the most obvious thing. We're not meant to live this life on our own. But finding relationships that sustain us and help us in our relationship with Jesus um, can actually be really hard at times. Um, we live in an incredibly individualistic society. 
Um, and that and that means that kind of kind of it's almost like from the word go we are taught to be independent to not rely on others um, to kind of particularly if you're a bloke to kind of man up and deal with stuff um, I don't know what the female equivalent is of that but we're taught not to rely on others but to rely on ourselves and it easily flows into matters of faith um, it's very easy kind of you know, particularly you know, traditional um, kind of images of religion. I can remember going to church in the days when it was possible to, well, most people seem to manage to do it, to walk into church, um, to take part in the service, and to walk out the door without actually having a relationship with anybody. You came in, you had proper pews, which kind of created nice barriers, didn't they? You know, you didn't have to get too close to anybody. You know, you could even shut the door on your pew in some circumstances. Um, you could do church and you could go home. And, and kind of, there's this kind of this British thing about faith. Um, you know, you don't talk about politics and you don't talk about religion. Um, and faith being a private thing, um, an individual thing. Um, and it flows out that whole thing. Um, we, uh, and today it's changed. Um, kind of kind of consumerism creeps in. We kind of pick the worship style. You know, you can go to any one of the different churches around Tunbridge Wells and you will find they do church in a different way. Kind of we graduate to kind of the, 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 the thing that kind of fulfills us and it becomes something that will, about what we get from it. We choose what we like. Um, but actually it's not just about community communi- it's not just about um, consumerism. Um, it's not about taking a part in a service. It's not about a private faith. It's about a shared journey. Um, and we see this with Jesus. He's inviting these disciples on a journey with him. Um, and he is going to spend time with them. And the way they're going to grow in that journey is going to be out of him sharing his very self with them. Uh, uh, and in doing that, he's giving us a model for how it's meant to work. Um, but we still find it so hard, don't we? Why do we find relationships in that way so hard? And you might be sitting here saying, Chris, I don't know what you're talking about. I've got such great Christian friends and they sustain me and all the rest of it. And if that's the case, fantastic. But for many of us, it doesn't feel like that's the case. Um, you know, life gets in the way. Busyness. There's no time. You know, um, you know, just kind of keeping the show on the road takes all of our time and all of our agenda. There's no time. Or we have other relationships and there's no room in our lives for them. Um, there's this issue I've talked about already of self-sufficiency. But for me, and it may be just I'm just reading kind of my own personal um, issues into this. I, and I hope I'm not. I hope this speaks to others too. I also think there's the area of vulnerability. To have relationships like that requires vulnerability, doesn't it? Uh, and I don't know about you, but most of us try to avoid vulnerability at all costs. It kind of comes back to that thing about knowing that we're loved and we're accepted. Because if we don't know we're loved, if we don't feel that we're accepted, if we feel actually we don't like ourselves very much, um, then we will believe that others won't like us. 
And the last thing we would possibly ever want to do is to let others into our lives that they might really see what we see on the inside. Um, it's much easier to keep the barriers up and the door shut and everyone at a safe, polite distance um, because that's a whole lot less threatening. If we struggle to like ourselves, we will struggle to trust ourselves to others. We'll hide who we are from others out of fear of rejection. And yet, actually, the reality is we need each other. Um, part of the healing of kind of, of, of the human heart, the, be, the being able to live in the truth of what Jesus says about us, that we are loved and we are precious, comes through that being demonstrated by others around us. By, by when we bear our souls and our lives with them, them not turning their back on us, but them accepting us, models the love of Jesus to us. Our nature is to recoil from vulnerability and openness because it's scary, yet it's the place of healing frequently in our lives. Um, we need each other. Um, and, um, and, and it feels like if ever there was a time uh, in our society when we need each other, it is now. And yet it's kind of ironic, isn't it, that, um, that kind of the whole thrust of society and probably the changes that government will, uh, will bring in over the next few weeks is all about a trend to being separate, um, to protect ourselves. Um, and, um, and in that, um, we will need each other practically. People will need people to get shopping for them if they are ill and they can't get it. The practical stuff of life, that sort of help will be needed. But we will also, I think, need each other at a greater level. I mean, I don't know, you know how much it costs for someone to come and stand up here and say, actually, I don't know if my business is going to survive this. Um, that, that's not, that goes beyond a practical needing each other, isn't it? It's about a needing to share you know, real life with each other and to stand with each other kind of in those, in, in, in the difficult stuff. Or if we're facing, you know, the, the health or the threatened health of someone we love, you know, doing it on our own is a difficult thing. Um, kind of, so we need each other. Um, and, and, and we find it incredibly difficult, I think. At times we kind of want to be a bit picky about who we choose. Um, can you flick back to that list? Of the people that was up there. The, no, 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 the list of names. You know, I'd say Jesus really wasn't that picky. <laughs> um, kind of, he's got tax collectors there. He's got a zealot there. A zealot was a revolutionary that would have hated a tax collector. And yet they're in the same group and they're called to be together. You know, sometimes when we look for relationship, we look for people that kind of are attractive to us or are like us or, and actually that's not the deal. We're all called to Jesus and we all come with our brokenness and our difference. 
Uh, we need each other. There are practical ways we can normally do that in church. Teams, hubs, particularly house groups. Kind of, We introduced something years ago and it started really well and it kind of floundered a bit. Pods, it worked really well when people had relationship with people that they could meet with regularly. But it worked much less well when you tried to artificially put people together. Kind of there's stuff we do that can help. But at times like this, we're going to have to go beyond that. There's a need for all of us to find people that will share um, that journey. It's part of what it means to find life in Jesus. Everything within us, everything within society normally, but even more at the moment, wants to say that's not possible, to steal that away. But Jesus says, I've come that you might have life. And I've got the kids back. Um, so I'm going to stop here and I'm going to ask you to... Why don't we, do you want to get, bring them in? Everything you would want to do that seems like the most natural response, you can't do. I mean, yeah, the most natural response now for me would be for us to say, just turn where you are, lay hands on each other where you are, pray for each other where you are, and you can't do it. So let's stand together. We can do that without touching, presumably. Um, let's just... Um, even though we can't touch each other, let's just um, let's just kind of put into practice that whole thing about restored relationship, relationship restored with the Father. Let's just come before Him and let's acknowledge our need and ask Him to come and meet with us in whatever situation we're facing, whether it's a health concern or a work concern or a financial concern just the uncertainty of what's ahead let's just bring it quietly to him and let's ask him for his provision and for his healing and then as we do that let's just take bring to our mind those around us you may be just kind of opening your eye to see the person closest to you or just the person that's on your mind that you're worried for let's just just quietly bring those around us to God let's ask it for his grace for those we stand alongside to strengthen them and let's all remember his promise that he's come that we might have life. Life in all of its fullness. And just as we stand, perhaps the band could come back.